2: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about the seven sorrows of Mary. That's right. We're going to look at the seven
1: swords that pierced Our Lady's heart and go on the journey of suffering that she endured during her life.
0: There has never been a more biblical devotion than the seven sorrows of Mary, starting from the infancy narrative all the way to the death and burial of Christ, truly enriching a on a daily basis. This devotion is something very practical, but also life-changing. <laughs>
2: excited to unpack this today. I just recently heard about this devotion, and so I'm excited to to unpack this with you guys today.
1: Yeah, a lot of times uh, you'll hear it called the Seven Dolores of Mary, or the Seven Swords of Mary. And this goes back to the, you know, the the first sorrow, you know, kind of presages the things that she's going to experience in her life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And St. Bernard of Clairvaux said something really profound about Mary, that Mary is a martyr of the church, that while many saints in the church are martyrs and they suffered martyrdom of the body, Our Lady is the only saint who suffered martyrdom, true martyrdom of the soul, by being so present to her son at the foot of the cross. And entering into her sorrow, Our Lady of Sorrows, is a great way for us to deal with the things that have been sorrows in our life by uniting them to Our Lady and Her eternal hope. And her being at one point the only Christian in the world because despite her sorrows, she stood by belief in her son.
0: That reflection from Saint Bernard is one of the most powerful reflections on the suffering of Mary, and to identify, identify her as a martyr. If you want to find that devotion, and and in Saint Bernard, um, you know it's in the liturgy of the hours, office of readings every year for her feast day, mm. and it is a very impactful one that stands out in the in the year because of his identification of Mary. Yeah. So what
1: the seven sorrows of Mary are, are seven biblical places where you can see the suffering that Our Lady endured being the mother of our Lord. Uh, Interestingly enough, um, one of the sorrows or one of the places where she endured suffering was not during the birth of Jesus because, uh, you know, tradition says that she didn't suffer the traditional birth pains that women experience. That be go-
0: mainly because of the Immaculate Conception, the mm-hmm. fact that Mary was conceived without, without sin, sin, and that's what one of the dogmas of the churches represent. That's right, because if you look in, in Genesis, and, and when Adam
1: and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, Adam is, is going to have to suffer all the days of his life and toil and work in the sun to make food grow. And woman's curse, Eve's curse, is that she will, um, she will um, experience birth pains. But since Mary doesn't have that um, that stain of guilt and that stain of sin, she doesn't have that stain of widget w- those wages of sin, so she didn't experience birth pains. But what does happen is that first allure that happens on this list, that first sorrow comes up very shortly thereafter. And the first one is the prophecy of Simeon in the in the temple. And this comes from the book of Luke chapter 2:
0: 34 to 35. Yeah, and I'd like to take out my handy dandy, word on fire Bible oh, um, very nice you know I, we weren't asked to promote this but it is one of my favorite most beautiful Bibles Bishop I
1: know you're listening because I know you're a huge fan of the show we do really actually use your Bible
0: yeah and it's really impressive what you've done and we're excited to see other productions coming That's soon. It. Uh, When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Hmm. You know what the reflection here and what stands out the most is St. Joseph is there with our lady. They present him as is customary. And then Simeon turning to our lady in this mystical experience of Simeon and directing his attention toward our lady gives prophecy over her life. Hmm. Specifically St. Joseph was there. And of note, but you could see the fulfilling experience of Simeon in what we pray on a daily basis in the liturgy of the hours at night prayer, you know, this canticle and, you know, now you let your master, now you are dismissing your servants in peace. This is a lifetime of service of Simeon in the temple. And now it is fulfilled in the recognition of Christ The Messiah, the one who was promised, now this mystical experience moves to prophecy over Christ's life and the Blessed Mother. That's what's really of note here.
2: It's kind of interesting, the other six sorrows that we're looking at, it seems like this is more of like a foreshadowing sword appears in her heart, not necessarily like her being at the foot of the cross or, you know, other particular pains that are associated. So this is more like, I don't know, something setting the tone for the other six?
0: I don't know. I've, I've had many experiences even in my own personal life where an anticipated suffering mm-hmm. becomes a piercing. Okay. Yeah. Probably um, even more intense sometimes than the actual pain of the inflicted injury, whether it's physical, spiritual, or intellectual. You know, for a parallel,
1: imagine being at the baptism of one of your children, a newborn baby, and everything is so fresh and new and so hopeful, mm-hmm. and then being told this child, this the life of this child is going to cause the rising and falling of many and a piercing of your own heart, that is intense suffering. That is intense sorrow that even in a moment of great joy and tenderness, you're experiencing the weight of what is to come. And right. uh, oftentimes, really, I mean, if you have experienced this life, the anticipation of, of a doctor's appointment or a trip or something that you're frightened of is much worse than the actual experience. Um, And Simeon has always fascinated me, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's this prophet and uh, who is promised, he's so old, but he's promised to live to see the Messiah. Mm. And I'd love to hear more of his backstory. And I'd love to hear how that was, you know, that prophecy was given to him. It's always been something that's very fascinating because it's very obscure and it's it goes by in just a couple lines in, in the gospel, but it's such a, a powerful and I would almost
0: say ominous message. Mm-hmm. Canticle,
2: yeah. right? I mean, it's like in the church, it's uh, something that's prayed every day at night prayer. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The the thing with Simeon too that stands out for me is and and beginning the devotion of the seven sorrows, which I do try to pray this every day. This this uh, image that I gave to to Delacross on another episode. Um, has been with me from the very beginning when I opened up the Bible when I was 20 years old, and this was in that Bible that mystically this was... an actual card? The, no, this I've, I bought, like yeah. I buy these things yeah, all the okay. time in my hand. The original actually is right next to my computer on my desk in mm-hmm. my office, um, along with a stewardship prayer that my parish prays every morning, or excuse me, uh, before every liturgy on on Saturday and Sunday. It was this prayer card and a stewardship prayer that's very vocational, um but you know this devotion has been attached to my whole experience from the beginning and what i loved associated with that is that this is the beginning of jesus's m- ministry on earth and in the incarnation and and this presentation being one of the joyful mysteries but also the beginning of suffering associated with his vocation and calling yeah. and having the foresight of looking at the whole journey our Lady now is contemplatively meditating on this mystery as she journeys forward in faith that God will make good, even despite the suffering, God will make good the order of what is promised. Yeah, that's that's really
1: a, a quite a thing to ponder, that it's both a joyful mystery and one of the seven sorrows. of yeah, Our Lady. Yeah, I was just thinking that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's crazy.
0: Joy and suffering can go very well together, hand in hand. Happiness and suffering is a whole nother thing, because I think happiness is is very much in our human experience and mm-hmm. desires is very rooted earth, on an earthly basis. But the joy that come, comes to us is is seeing beyond the present suffering to what is being accomplished in our soul and the greater longing that is expressed in suffering for heaven. That's a great distinction. I mean, how many times have
1: you seen somebody in suffering, <laughs> somebody... You know, uh, you know, with terminal cancer or whatnot, but still experiencing joy. Um, but happiness about the pain you're suffering is a is a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. the joy in it is a very Christian virtue. That's yes, very, very cool. It's beautiful. Um, so the second sorrow or dolor of Our Lady
0: is the flight into Egypt. Now this comes from Matthew chapter two verse thirteen. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said. And the mystery of unpacking this second sorrow is really entering into the imagination of the experience of the flight to Egypt and the existence of Christ in his early years Mm -hmm. and what that represents symbolically somehow too with the Old Testament and the children of Israel in their captivity Mm -hmm. and then coming back into the promised land. Unlike Moses, Jesus fulfills a mission within that promised land of Jerusalem, and ultimately sacrifices for the eternal promise of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven there in the Holy Land at the very heart of what our faith articulates and what his history has proven. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a very enjoyable sorrow to meditate on because it's, it's left to really pro- popular and private uh, piety mm-hmm. and, and the fact that you can enter into that journey with them.
1: Yeah, I just think, though, of, of so many young mothers who are facing uncertainty in their life, whether it's you know through homelessness, it's through poverty, and they are doing their best for their children and the uncertainty that makes them move around and the sorrow that they experience, not being able to provide stability for their children and security. I mean, they're on the run from the mm-hmm. secular government under pain of death and they have to leave at night through the desert mm-hmm. to a foreign land. And mm-hmm. we see that happen so much in our world now.
2: Yeah. That a our lady experience that. Yeah, and a force such as the king, right? And and we all know the the innocents. Like we 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 celebrate them in a memorial of all the children that are were killed. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to have somebody so powerful with means and uh, you know armies at his disposal to seek out your son, right? To seek out our Lord. Like that, that's, uh, that's a, a weight larger than just any general threat, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a direct threat. And then, you know, you're, as you're traveling, you know, the expectation of what's, what is to come is, it's gotta be a, a, a deep wound in our heart. Not just one that, you know, came and went maybe of, uh, you know, of contemplating something in Simeon, but something that, you know, it was a long, long journey. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: something that stays with you. That kind of that I don't want to say paranoia because that's not I don't think a, no. a good word, but that um, that fear stays with you. That even once you find security, when you've been in a situation like that, on the run, hiding from and around any corner can be you know yeah. people to kill your child. That's something that stays with you, and that guardedness and that uh, that fear and anticipation. <clears throat> I mean, that definitely is a sorrowful sword that would pierce any mother's heart.
2: Yeah, you want to even look at, like, what's the difference between a sorrow there and a paranoia. I mean, she's obviously uh, is an example of faith, but yet still experiences the sorrow with, with this threat. Yeah.
1: You know? And something that you carry with you, that your child, and you know that your child is always going to be a target mm-hmm. and that you might not always be able to protect him. Mm-hmm. That is a
0: wound that stays in your heart. And when your
1: heart's wounded, it stays there, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Now, with these seven sorrows, there's all sorts of devotions online, YouTube. I mean, there's... There's a lot of different meditations associated with this because this devotion goes back a long period of time, even to the 11th century, uh, but really popularized in more recent time with incredible devotions, like Mm -hmm. into the 19th and 20th century, meditations from all sorts of people. And like we were talking about before, St. Bernard or St. Bernard uh, giving us that amazing insight to the heart of Mary. But one of the meditations I want to share in relationship to what you guys are talking about in Flight. Into Egypt. Consider the sharp sorrow which Mary felt when St. Joseph, being warned by an angel, she had to flee by night in order to preserve her only beloved son and her child from the slaughter decreed by Herod. You know, the bloodshed of the innocence that we remember at the end of December after Christmas is, is something to consider here and how graphic and gruesome and, and horrifically uh, evil mm-hmm. this, this was. Um, in the context of that, Mary's sorrow extended beyond per the protection of her son and that her son's life would be threatened, but the death that ushered in, too, through the vile nature of Herod trying to protect through pride his own right to, to a throne of dominion and wanting to kill the Lord of lords. Um, so that's one part here of, of sorrow. And then to continue, uh, what anguish was hers in leaving Judea, lest she should be overtaken by the soldiers of the cruel king? How great her privations in that long journey, the hunger, what suffering she bore in the land of exile, and what sorrow amid that people given to idolatry. But consider how often you have renewed that bitter grief of Mary when your sins have caused her son to flee from your heart, too. So like this interior gaze, like like you're, you're applying to the suffering of the world, and then that interior... Uh, suffering that we experience too in relationship to our sin and the cause of that in the life of Mary and Jesus. Yeah, and I can only imagine that Mary knew the target of Herod's
1: persecution of the the massacre of the Holy Innocents was her son. Yeah. So the so the 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 pain she would have felt for all those other mothers losing their child mm-hmm. because of her son. Mm-hmm. You know that had to weigh on her too. There's no way it couldn't.
0: Yep. And the and the looming danger <laughs> of that reality of his life being sought after throughout Jesus's 33 years of life was always there. Uh, So the third sorrow of Mary
1: is the loss of Jesus in the temple. And this is coming from Luke 2...
0: Uh, 43 Beginning to at 40, 45. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to begin at 41. Now, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. The boy, Jesus, in the temple. This is the last expression in scripture before we move into the hidden years of Jesus. And this comes right after in the gospel of Luke, the prophecy of Simeon, again, a sorrow, but also a joy. This, this mystery as well. This is also contained within the joyful mysteries, but also a part of sorrow. Je- you know, Mary expressing the anxiety and the suffering of Joseph's heart as well as her own. Yeah. I could only imagine losing my child
1: for 5 minutes let alone 3 days. And then how much more would be compounded Mary knowing that this is the the son of God, this is Emmanuel, you know, announced by the angel Gabriel immaculately, uh, you know, uh, you know, through a virgin birth and then where is he? Mm-hmm. You know, it must have felt like all of history and all of the love in your heart was missing. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a true sorrow. Mm-hmm. And again though, how this is a sorrow for Mary, but also one of the joyful mysteries in her bouquet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what a dichotomy! What a yeah. what a what
0: a what a picture of a mother of joy and suffering mm-hmm. in the same experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you know, I remember I remember back in the day, like talking about sorrow and your experience as a dad. Like, God forbid that would ever happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my mom. I remember I was like in second or third grade, and I got a call halfway through the day. Richie Pagano, uh, is, is going to be staying in extended day. And I, I heard it over there. I'm like, Oh heck yeah. Cause mm-hmm. all the kids in extended day, they got to go out on the playground. Right. And it was like, I didn't have to go on the bus and go back and do nothing at the house. So I was stoked about it. You know, so I'm out there playing ball. And then next thing you know, I get called to the principal's office. I'm like, did I get in trouble again? Like what the heck's going on? And I walk in and my mom is like, crying her eyes out. And I was mm-hmm. so confused. Yeah. And, um, you know, come to find out somebody, like my mom, she's been a manager for many, many years, and, like, somebody she had to, you know, handle managerially, like, called and and basically said for me to stay after and and just, like, messed with her, basically. Wow. But, um, but the sorrow, like, to see that sorrow in her was, yeah. like, like, incredible, you Did know? Did she like- fire this person? I forget what I forget the details of the story, but she may have had to fire him. I don't may know. Did you, you said I must
2: be in the, in the playground? Did you not know that I was going to be throwing the football with my friends? <laughs> did you not know
1: I'd be crossing up these other <laughs> bros out here?
0: <laughs> but, yeah, like that, that sorrow is real. And so many people out there listening in right now or, or viewing our content, yeah. um, I'm sure can empathize with that sorrow, especially if you have children. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: are just losing a, a child, you know, a child altogether too as well. There's a lot of missing children out there that have been gone for a long time. That's a that's
0: yeah. a really that's a really I mean, God bless when we should just kind of pause and and pray for yeah. people that, that that's gotta be the worst suffering. You know, may the Lord have mercy on people that have suffered that. Yeah. So many victims of of, of human trafficking oh,
1: God bless. and abductions. And then yeah. so many parents who've never gotten resolution, just yeah. Know, and I think every
2: parent, even though they haven't lost their child in that way, even thinks about that. Yeah. You know? I mean I've I've thought about it just either reading something about somebody or um just yeah, like losing a child for a little while. And know? I think it's like a
0: protective nature too. Like it, it definitely yeah. like genera- I talked to this one dad, it was his firstborn, and he's like I am freaking out every day because this child's life is in my hands. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it was just such an authentic uh, disposition, you know, and and we work through that, but yeah, so true. All right. So from those first three sorrows, those are really tied to
1: Jesus's, you know, infancy and adolescence. And then from there, we really skip forward. And there's the hidden years, 18 years missing. And then we see him again, take up his proclamation of the kingdom. Um, and to its culmination into his
0: passion and death. And that's why, you know, the image that I I love so much that's been with me for so long is the image of Our Lady and the seven swords that are piercing her heart. And the three swords on the left side of her heart represent the three piercings of Mm -hmm. Jesus's early life. Mm -hmm. And now we're shifting over into the passion and the death, the four on the right hand side. I've never noticed that. Yeah.
2: And I'm sure they probably lost him a few more times after that, but it's just a hidden years. Well, well, those are all. That's a matter of conjecture and apocrypha.
1: <laughs> but the fourth one is that when Our Lady meets Jesus on the way to Calvary, mm-hmm. when she sees her son condemned to death, what a feeling of hopelessness! And this is coming from we're
0: from Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty-three, starting at verse twenty-six of Luke's. Gospel, chapter 23. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Hmm. In the tradition of this scriptural context for this sorrow of Mary, You know, we realize that Mary is a mother and she is a daughter of Jerusalem and she most certainly weeps at the suffering of Christ. And to realize this beginning of Jesus's passion as it relates to the seven sorrows of Mary, we see that so vividly in the passion of the Christ You know, in in Mary meeting Jesus on the road to Calvary, we see that in the stations of the cross, which for a greater tradition of the church has that as one of the stations where Mary meets and greets Jesus along the way of his greatest definitive action of love and time. And to see this encounter and to meditate on the tradition and the legacy of this occurrence that takes place in the piety of the Christian faith for for many, many years meditating on this, we could see how that anticipation again of Mary realizing that these are the last Mm -hmm. movements of her own son on this planet.
2: And and knowing uh, what the crucifixion is um, and... Previously seeing the torturing that's going on, this is just... It was a regular it's, thing. It's almost like your heart's pierced watching, and then finally you greet him, and that's even just, I can't even imagine, just the the engagement there between the two.
1: You know, and again, this is like, a, it feels anticipatory. It's like, you know where he's being led to. You yeah. know what's going to happen. And then the just the the panic to make it happen to find any way for it to be averted. It's like watching a train or a car wreck in slow motion, yeah, yeah. and just no move, please stop, mm. make it stop. Mm. Just the 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 hyper anxiety of is there a way out of this? Is there a way that this is going to not happen? Mm. Um, I know that's what I would be experiencing, and um, you know our ladies will more perfectly align to Christ than mine certainly, but. Mm. I can't imagine but thinking that she was like, is there any way out of this? Is there any way that this cut may pass?" Even Jesus asked that. And knowing uh, just to see your son being mocked, mm. I mean, you know, I mean, Ryan, we, we watch our kids play, you know, baseball and they strike out and we're like, ah, you know, yeah. and this is your son being mocked by the whole city and your holy city being led off to mm. be crucified by an invading power of the Romans. I mean the sorrow in that moment is just, it has to be so intense. I would, I would literally, I would pass out.
2: Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the Jewish faith. And I mean, the, the, the torment of, you know, those who are leading Israel, uh, being a part of it, a nasty part of it. I mean, it's just, she, she literally took on a lot of his suffering because she walked the whole passion with him.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, and, you know, there with the other women, like you said, really joining her suffering to his, you know, it goes back to that that quote where that Mary did truly suffer that martyrdom that along this path, along this Via Dolorosa, our lady is experiencing a spiritual martyrdom, a a martyrdom of the soul um, in conjunction with her son that is as real as the martyrdom of St. Lawrence, you know, or as the martyrdom of St. James Interstitius cut to a thousand pieces. You know, she's yeah. feeling these wounds. It's a very, very real martyrdom where there are the and swords piercing her heart, mm. you know.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So from there, we move on to the fifth sorrow of Mary, and that's Mary standing at the foot of the cross. And this one, this uh, verse comes from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 19.
0: So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the Scripture says, They divided my clothes among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home.
1: Hmm. That's hard to, that's that's even hard to comment on um, the, the suffering that she experienced at the foot of the cross. And this is definitely why she's called the queen of the martyrs. Mm. You know, her martyrdom, you know, you often hear that St. Stephen is the first martyr, but in a very real sense, Our Lady is the first martyr. Mm, St. Stephen Mm -hmm. experienced martyrdom of the flesh first, but Our Lady certainly experienced that martyrdom uh, and and, and had got that crown, that crown of martyrdom. Even Stephen's name means crowned in Greek and the crown of the martyrdom. But if Our Lady is the queen of martyrs and experienced it there, she got her crown first.
2: Are there any mm. other martyrdoms of the soul with others who watched either their brothers or women with their children? Is that is that common? To my uh, knowledge,
1: Mary's the only one who's considered a martyr of the soul. because of oh, okay, her yeah. sufferings. Okay. But that's because how closely united her suffering is with that with, of her son. With, yeah, well, with you know, the son of God.
2: Yeah. Yeah, with the second person of the Trinity. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And I think what would be fruitful is to continue, continue with this uh, verses twenty-eight through thirty, uh, because this is like you said. I mean, like how how can you even comment, right? I mean, this is uh, you know, and this is this has been a very prayerful episode. You know, just kind of meditating on these scriptures and meditating on the sorrows of Mary. After this, when Jesus knew that all was finished, he said, "In order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty." A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge filled with wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, "It is finished." Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The verses that continue is when Jesus's side is pierced,
1: which is the sixth sword, of the sixth sorrow of Mary, and this is Jesus being taken down
0: from the cross, and this is this is the Pietà. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Yeah.
1: Um, I think this, this sorrow is so so perfectly depicted in both Michelangelo's Pieta, but then also in the thumbnail that we use for this video, which is by uh, uh, an artist named Bougeroux. It's one of my favorite paintings of all time. And and the sorrow that you can see in our lady's eyes holding the body of her son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. And the baptism and blood that she received also in the martyrdom completely, she would have been covered in the blood of her son. Mm -hmm. She would have been covered in the water that flew from that flowed from his side. I mean, she, you know, fully experienced in a visceral way the brutality of the crucifixion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of uh, impressed upon her in holding him, mm-hmm. you know.
0: And there have been so many artistic expressions, the ones mentioned and, you know, the time that I've spent in Spain and being here in that Spanish colonial environment of the state of Florida or in California and realizing these artistic dep- depictions of the sorrows of mary and seeing her eyes somebody just sent me a beautiful painting too i think from the renaissance of mary's eyes just being completely encircled with just like red inflammation and and just complete sorrow and those those depictions and you know we encourage you to as you pray through this uh this episode with us to look at some of these images of the blessed mother with eyes recognizing that Mary suffers with Christ and and that that suffering whenever we encounter the the torturous things of life We do not suffer it alone uh, as well. I'd like to reference the uh, homily from St. Bernard once again. He expressed, Truly, O blessed mother, a sword has pierced your heart, for only by passing through your heart could the sword enter the flesh of your son. Indeed, after your Jesus, who belongs to everyone, but is especially yours, gave up his life, the cruel spear, which was not withheld from his lifely body, tore open his side. Clearly, it did not touch his soul and could not harm him, but it did pierce your heart. You know, the Christ had already given up his spirit, as we saw in the scriptures, but what I love about what St. Bernard is saying is that that sword that pierced his heart, that lance, truly penetrated the heart of Mary. He didn't feel it, but she did. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is the image I'm talking about. Do you know this one? Yes, that's the one I was just thinking <clears throat> yeah, of. Yeah, this is my this is my favorite painting. Mm. Uh and this is this Bouger is a, a fantastic artist, but mm. um and Kyle, if you could put this up on the screen, you know, but the look of her eyes oh. is says more than, you know, I could say in ten episodes.
2: Yeah, you know, it also reminds me of like mothers that are out there whose sons are struggling with like addiction or just away from the church. I mean, like, all these things and suffering that's caused by women, just how how they must feel uniting their sufferings with Mary, the consolation that, um, that this devotion could bring. Absolutely. You know? I mean, um, God knows our moms were <laughs> put through a lot. Oh, yes, saying. they were.
1: And then the final sorrow of Mary is the burial of Jesus, and this continues... John's Gospel, chapter 19.
0: Uh, We're going to pick up at verse 39. Okay. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial customs of the Jews. Now there was a garden in, that, in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. You know, the, what I meditate constantly on, and I, I've shared this uh, with you guys before, but um, the smell of the spices, the fact there's just like a hundred pounds of that's this stuff. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, the dedication and the love shown you know, when Did you think me. about the grieving process, like I've, I've had one bishop in my life that, um, that is very dear to me, God rest his soul. And it was the, really the only bishop that I've had that, um, that I, I just felt like an ultimate closeness to. And that was Bishop Lassard, whom you remember, mm-hmm. uh, Delhi from, from St. Vincent de Paul. And, um, you know, I, for the Five years that I was at St. Vincent's, I took care of him, and um, one of his famous sayings constantly. You know, you would ask, you would ask him, Bishop Lassard, how you doing, and he would always be like, "I'm dying, I'm dying," you know. And (laughs) he would always say, and he said that for years, you know. And uh, but it was a, it was an honor and a privilege to to be his gardener, to be a caretaker for him, and and to just check in on him regularly in my time at the seminary, and. I'll never forget this one particular day. I was just checking on his oxygen and, you know, his, his health was really uh, failing. And, and he looked at me and he said, you know, Richard, I really want you to be here with me when I die.
2: You know? cool.
0: And um, it was just a very touching uh, thing yeah. uh, for, just for somebody to say that to you, you know. And, um, and unfortunately, I couldn't be there when he died. But I was there for him for, you know, when we did his burial. And the grieving process, and I've never had this experience prior, and I've never had it since, but um, there was a number of us, Bishop Toops, myself, a few people from the seminary. We literally buried Bishop Lassard. So after the lowering of the casket into where he now rests, which is the cemetery there in Savannah, Georgia, um, we picked up shovels. And we filled in the grave. And that experience for me was one of the greatest actions of grieving. And I can imagine that Our Lady and Joseph of Arimathea and, you know, everybody that surrounded Jesus with such affection that were present to him, you know, showing that they were unafraid to die themselves and be present to him, um the privilege, but also the great sorrow and grief of that moment was this burial process and laying down the spices and those smells, the aloes, the oils, the ointments, the, the placing of him in that, in that linen, the you dignity
2: know? that was oh. honored, um, and doing that too, as mm-hmm. well.
0: You yeah. Know.
1: I mean, if you've ever left a funeral, there's a finality to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, you know, you've buried someone and you leave the cemetery And it's very much a feeling of now what? Mm -hmm. Very much a feeling of being lost. And, Mm. you know, I love the concept that Our Lady, after the crucifixion, was the only one who still truly believed that her son was the Messiah. She was the only Christian on earth on Holy Saturday. She was the only one who still kept the heart, the hope in her pierced heart. And that's a very powerful thing. But to walk away, what did. You know, as a reflection, you know, what did Our Lady do that night? You know, what do you do after a funeral? Typically someone will make you a meal, you'll go home, you'll have a quiet evening, you'll eat a little something but not really be hungry. The next day it's kind of the same, but people come by and see, how are you doing? You know, hey, we brought you this or that. Could you imagine that Our Lady experienced that? Yes. Our Lady experienced something so similar yeah. to what we experienced. But, you know, reflecting on that, mm-hmm. on her humanity and the suffering of her mm-hmm. humanity in that, is very powerful Mm -hmm. you know how (laughs) our lady what was i mean could you imagine her trying to eat that night Mm -hmm. trying to sleep that night could you imagine the sleep of our lady the night of good friday Mm
0: -hmm. i can't imagine there was any you know there was uh in in life i've learned so much from father tetlow we've shouted him out a number of times and have had him on the show but um He's one of the most generous people I know. And he's, he has like no attachment to anything. I mean, he just gives things away left and right. And I, I certainly do not have that level of detachment. I hope that I can continue to grow. But he gave me this image. And, and in my life, like everything that I've given away, I don't regret. Mm-hmm. But this one image that he gave me, I, it still hurts that I gave it away. And it was the return from the crucifixion. And in it was Mary Magdalene. John the Beloved, and they are escorting Our Lady, and Our Lady just lifelessly, with no energy, is being led by the hand of John the Beloved, and it is my favorite image, Um, and I gave it away years ago, and I've never seen it since, um, you know, in in a depiction. So, you know, there's so much to consider in the passion of Christ and the sorrows of what were experienced and why they were experienced to what Sheil was saying. The why factor of this is that God suffers in love for you. God suffers in love for us guys. And, and for us to suffer alone and not turn to God, like we don't want to turn away from God based on our suffering. No, we want to turn toward God. And, and that's the encouragement out to each and every one of you who may be suffering at this moment. And I hope that this Podcast has touched your heart today, in particular. I know my heart is swelled up right now with a lot of grace, and and this has just been such an honor to to share the sorrows of Mary uh, with you devotionally. And you know, make sure you're checking out the show notes because you know we've got some great materials there for you to pray along and. Um, you know, get yourself one of these prayer cards too. Uh, you know, they're very, very much uh, readily available, yeah. um, and they're they're very inexpensive. And I think we should send this out to our patrons. Yeah, look at these for everyone. Yeah, and and just to say thank you to our patrons for supporting the show. Um, you know, if you're there and and you want to. Uh, support the show and 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 help us reach more people with material just like this, celebrating our Catholic faith, celebrating devotionals just like this for the Seven Sorrows of Mary. And you want to help our production get better? Please becoming a be, please consider becoming a patron by going to catholictalkshow.com dot com forward slash Patreon, and you'll see every way that you could support us. But I think it was I think it would be really cool to be able mm-hmm. to send this out to all of our patrons.
1: Yeah, and a, and a really simple version of this devotion is to reflect on each of these. Uh, sorrows and then afterwards say a Hail Mary. Shouldn't mm-hmm. take you very long. It's a simple version. But it's a very simple version. There's more in depth um, um, devotions that have some accompanying prayers and some devotions you could read through. Um, Hollow has a great version of this devotion. It's a guided meditation through it where they will read the verse. They'll read the prayers and the the reflection along with it. Take you a couple minutes a day. You can go on the Hollow app and download it. If you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Hollow, you can download the app for free and follow along with this devotion. Um, Like Father Rich said, we'll send this out to our patrons. But I want to read a quote by St. Bernadette, who's one of my favorite saints. And she says, why must we suffer? Because here below, pure love cannot exist without suffering.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen to that.
1: And Our Lady perfectly exemplified that that she purely suffered mm-hmm. because she purely loved amen she suffered supremely because she loves she loves supremely and she suffered perfectly because she loved perfectly
0: amen i, I love that and you know the continuation of that from the queen of martyrs and the queen of suffering, really, on, on earth. She's been elevated in our midst with the utmost suffering. She becomes the queen of heaven. Mm-hmm. So the, the sorrowful mysteries, it doesn't end with the sorrowful mysteries. It doesn't end with the sorrows of Mary or the dolors. It it ends in the glorification. So, it's
2: important to, to yeah. understand. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. because it, this has been a very somber episode, but to realize that this is but a passage, it's the mm-hmm. per crucem ad lucem, mm-hmm. that through the cross, we enter into to the light and the glory of God revealed on this earth. And the mm-hmm. kingdom is revealed on this earth through this purification. You can process. almost
2: imagine Mary and Jesus embracing yes. when he came back yes. for 40 days. <laughs> imagine that. Uh, the joy of that. of that encounter.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and, and I think
1: that's why Our Lady wants this devotion said, because she suffered it. And she sees the suffering of her children on earth, yep. and wants to suffer with them, and compassio, to suffer with it's them. It's
0: so true. And when you look at Our Lady and what she did in the suffering of the brothers, of like of of the. Apostolic College of the Apostles, mm-hmm. she drew close to them yeah. and she drew them to herself, you mm-hmm. know, like, and she was there. They gathered in one accord, as the scripture said, around Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I, I'm a firm believer in fraternity and prayer. Mm-hmm. And we can't really end the show without giving a big shout out to our sponsor. Exodus. Exodus is that fraternal prayer and really gathering in Exodus, you know, to turn to Our Lady as a devotion, as as a part of your Exodus, you know, small group. Yeah. What a great way to, uh, to exercise that prayer mm-hmm. aspect of prayer, asceticism and fasting. Yeah. I mean, if you are experiencing pain in your life,
1: maybe you're experiencing some sorrows that you carry with you. Exodus is a great thing because they have 90 day programs, they have 40 day programs, then they have daily Programs That will help you um, deal with your suffering through prayer, through asceticism, and through fraternity to lean on your brothers, to take things and make sacrifices so that you can find healing, and so through prayer so that you can center and orient yourself towards God. Over 70,000 men have used this program and this app. Uh, If you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash exodus, you can download and try this app for free. You know, as three men of the church, we cannot recommend it enough. A great organization with great results. Um, you know, but going back to Our Lady, I, I, the that she is the queen of heaven is what the story ends here in the, in her being the queen of suffering. Mm-hmm. And
0: I love that you said that it doesn't end there because that's not where the story ends, you know? Yeah. And your suffering is not where the story ends and your time with us is not where it ends because we're going to be producing a new show next week. And we want you to connect with us. So make sure before you leave this channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button, click the little bell, give us a thumbs up if you've appreciated this and share the good news on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and everywhere we are in the audio world through iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, and all of the other areas. A big shout out to Catholic TV out of Boston and everybody that partners with us here at the Catholic Talk Show, and we thank you for connecting with us, sharing in the sorrows of Mary so that we may share in the glories of heaven. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.